Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters. It's me, Steve Wraith, and I'm with Liam Kennedy a day later. And uh, wow, <laughs> it uh, feels like the morning after the night before. I, I don't really think I've felt as depressed about uh, Newcastle United performance for, for such a long time. Well, I could say since the last Steve Bruce game, but I mean, you know, last night, Liam, let's start with that. Absolutely abysmal, mate. I'm, I'm still angry, foaming, upset, um, you know, just... It was head in your hand stuff, and, and I don't just mean the game. I mean, when you saw the team sheet, it was almost like a resignation letter. It does. It, it has that. Um, it's team selections and the the lack of uh, consistency in, in the way that he, he applies his, his team selection. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm absolutely baffled. I mean, this is even before getting onto the obvious defensive setup that they, that they had last night. But, but I look at things like playing, like from a from a health perspective, playing a Paul Dummett. Paul Dummett, who, who who barely kicked the ball for twelve months, literally missed the whole of the whole of twenty twenty for a, a small game at the end. Played one hundred and twenty minutes in the cup, and then it's no wonder that he, he collapsed, exhausted halfway through the second half. And we've just got to hope that his hamstrings are all right. Um, little things like that, the, the inexplicable nature of playing Matty Longstaff for three, four games over the festive period. Then it looked like he rested him against Arsenal. And then all of a sudden, he's not in the team. There's lots of little things like that that really annoy me. And that's before even getting on to the, the 8-1-1, as everybody seems to seems to put it, in the false the, the false tens statement after the game. Really, really wound me up, I'll be honest with you. If anybody's seen my podcast today, I did a little podcast myself on uh, Mouth of the Time. And that was one of the... The big things that I went with is is that the false false ten. I get it, false nine. You know, you might you might be Pep Guardiola and play Raheem Sterling as a false nine and, and have attacks from three different angles up front. False tens, though. I mean, what, what is a false ten? Is, is that not just a central midfielder? Is that all that is? Is that was that him admitting that he was playing five four one against a team who not only hadn't won this season. I hadn't won for six months and 20 games in the Premier League. Um, a team who couldn't buy a win. Um, have barely scored a goal this season. I've been the Premier League's whipping boys and we go there not to lose. We go there setting up with a very, very defensive formation with two false tens. Look, I didn't have him down as an English football innovator, but not only has he created one position, he's used it twice in the same game. Absolutely incredible. Um, I'm sure we'll get some coaching types on now telling me, well, he's not created that's really a position. But at the end of the day, it didn't work when he cast United, whatever it was. Um, two players um, who seem ill-suited to it. Um, there seems no uh, cohesive plan to, to provide support for Callum Wilson. Yes, we can defend. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's a real stretch. You had players like Isaac Hayden crying out at um, Steve Bruce yesterday saying, what, um, what do you want me to do? Because he was doing everything in that midfield at one point in the second half, he was playing on the right hand side, he was in the middle, he was tucking in right back, he was getting forward, he was literally covering about four different jobs. And I think he's one of the only players really that came out that game yesterday with any any uh, semblance of credit. And that's simply because he's a grafter and he'll get stuck in and he'll, he'll have a go. But beyond that, I think um, I think there's some really worrying signs. The way Ryan Fraser got himself sent off smacks of a player who's not only a million miles off the pace, another inexplicable selection decision. Um, bringing a lad, he's done it twice with him now, brought him totally in from the cold with no minutes under his belt. 
and he looked a million miles off the pace. And his two challenges not only looked off the pace, they looked like a lad who looked very, very frustrated. And I think that runs through the whole squad. I think they don't look like they're enjoying their football. I don't don't think they look particularly like they know what they're meant to be doing, um, which is things we've seen uh, previously under previous managers, and it's felt the end for them. The problem that I've got, it's not my problem, probably Newcastle United have got, and fans in particular, is that it's, it feels like a manager going through the motions. It feels like a manager who is in the final the sort of death throes of his reign. But we've, we know under Mike Ashley at Newcastle United, you have to go so far over the hill. This isn't just, get, just, just tipping over the edge when most people would get the sack. This is now. You have to go well over the hill and be on a real decline to get anywhere close. And, and that's where we stand, really, with, with Steve Bruce at the moment. I don't want to pop everyone's bubble out there. I don't want to uh, say that um, we're stuck with them forever. We're not. But uh, for the foreseeable, while well, Mike Ashley remains the owner of this football club, I anticipate that Steve Bruce will be the manager. And that's a really um, frustrating thing to take for everybody out there, I would imagine, because it feels like a second performance. Um, one of those sort of... Um, I was speaking to my colleague Miles today and he referred to the Bournemouth game for McLaren. That was the one he referred back to, the one he should have went and they hung on and it was too late. I think last night feels like one of those. Um, will they hang on? Probably. Will it be too late? God only knows. They've got points on the board. They're lucky they've got points on the board because it certainly don't look like getting points at the moment. Um, it won't be enough. We all know that. But they're going to have to fluke their way to to get enough points, um, because Steve Bruce just isn't. Uh, he's lost. The, he looks. Be careful what I say. He looks like he's lost the dressing room to me. He really looks like he has. We've all seen and heard the rumours, um, and some of them have some truth. But it's it really looks at this point that that are a bunch of lads who are not enjoying their work. They're not enjoying uh, working under him, and they're not enjoying what they're, they're not really understanding and enjoying. What they're sent out to to do on a on a uh, on a weekend or a weeknight, it's not, it's just not sustainable. But this isn't anything new, and I would say, like obviously, I think we all know that everyone, um, everyone from the outside looking in for eighteen months, well, probably the fifteen of those eighteen months have thought we're daft, saying we can't stand this. I know, but look here in the cup quarter final, we got that last year with the FA Cup, we got it this year with the uh, with the cup again, uh, League Cup. And they'll say, oh, well, look, you're, you're, you're 12th or 13th in the league. What are you complaining about? But every Newcastle United fan who watches the football club regularly has known that this is unsustainable. Newcastle United were never, last season, Newcastle United were never as good as their results. At the start of this season, Newcastle United were never even close to good enough as what their results suggested. We all knew the luck would run out at some point, and it has run out. And I, I suspect it could get worse. It really could get worse because even in some of these games, um, Newcastle have lost. They, they could have lost by a lot more. They've they've uh, been lucky. I, I think back to pre-Christmas, a Fulham game. I mean, that's that's the only point we've picked up over the period apart from Liverpool, and and it was it was painful. We got dominated by Fulham, and we never looked close to scoring when they had ten men. We've had some we've had some strokes of luck, and unfortunately. Um, Mark Douglas and the Chronicle did a piece today with regards to stats and talk about the stats not lying. And now the football and the results are catching up with the stats and that they're reflecting uh, exactly what Newcastle United are. And, and I, I've got to say I 100% agree with that. We've all known that 
this this um, Steve Bruce team um, has been unsustainable. And, and now we're, 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 we're kind of bottoming this out now. We're leveling off. And this is what it is. Look, they're going to have to, they're going to have to group together. They're going to have to uh, get some performances and get some results. I don't think this is a bad group of players in terms of ability, nor do I think this is a bad group of players in terms of personality as well. We're only 18 months away from Rafa Benitez. We're only three, four years away from promotion. A lot of these lads were there. They've, they've been in the trenches with each other. They fought together. They're actually a decent bunch. And that's the most frustrating thing about all of this is that um, we talked about on the podcast earlier that, that they weren't a bad bunch. Steve Bruce didn't have to come into Newcastle United and reinvent the wheel because he, he already had a dressing room that was quite harmonious. And since then, they've added extra quality to that as well. Um, and that's quite frustrating to think that we're a lot worse off now. And I think that largely, I think we're, we're far enough now into Steve Bruce's reign in, uh, 18 months down the line to say, I think he's the problem. He's the biggest problem at this football club at the moment, that he's unable, incapable, uh, not skilled enough to get the level of performances that we require from any Cassinated team. Because that on Tuesday night uh, was, was absolutely pitiful. I tweeted out at half-time. I would say that first half, uh, it's probably the worst worst uh, 45 minutes of football I've ever seen from Newcastle United. And of course, there's context to that. There's been halves of football we've conceded four and five goals. I'm not daft. I've seen it. I've seen it as well. But when you put this into the context of what this game was, how much it meant, the position of the football club, the off the field picture, and to see so little heart, fight, battle, quality, uh, just life, to see so little life in that football team was quite depressing. It was really upsetting, to be honest. And I think um, that, to me, any rightful owner who cared about the team in the football club would look at that if it was in their heart and say, right, off your pop, Steve. Don't care what it costs. You've got to go. This isn't working. We'll bring a stopgap in. And I think I see a lot of fans out there suggesting Eddie Howe, suggesting, look, some people have been saying Nigel Pearson, all this kind of thing. Look, honestly, right, I know you're shaking your head, Steve, and I think they're rubbish as well. I really do. But oh, we're not at the stage now where it's anything but Bruce almost. Well, we are. Genuine. We are. We are. Yeah, I would say we are. But Eddie Howe, right? Let's let's take Eddie Howe, for instance. And this is my opinion. Um, Eddie Howe did okay at Bournemouth on a limited budget. Um, I bumped into somebody on my walk today, two metre distance, had a chat with him. What's going on? You know, putting the world to rights about football, like a lot of people probably do on their walk these days. And um, he said Eddie Howe, and I went, well, I wouldn't have Eddie Howe. Not now, not at the moment. Well, why not? Well, because he, you know, he's just come off the back of a relegation. Do you know what I mean? Imagine Eddie Howe coming into Newcastle, and he's got to get in. He's got to get used to the. To, he's got to get used to those players. And imagine if he doesn't hit the ground running. Imagine if he does a Sam Allardyce and ends up losing his first few games. What's going to happen? We know what's going to happen. Newcastle will go down. Um, I personally feel this group of players um, really have to find it within themselves to want to stay up for this team. I think a new manager could come in. It could be anybody. I personally feel a Lee Clark could come in. You know, you could get an anyhow. You could get a Nigel Pearson. You could get anybody come in. I think the players have to find it within themselves to want to stay up. And I think this group of players would do that. Um, I hate to say it, but players tend to run the dressing rooms more than managers and coaches these days. Um, there's some big figures in that dressing room who have a lot of say. Um, 
and we know who they are. John Joe Shelby, Jamal Lascelles, to name but two. Matt Ritchie is another one. They've been there under Rafa. They've been there under Bruce. They've um, they've been relegated and they've got promoted. So from our, and Dwight Gale, you can add him to the list as a senior pro. So there are players in there who aren't getting a game. They're not getting, they're not sometimes even on the bench. There's no explanation why. When they come in, they're getting played out of position. Um, I think, I personally feel, and I'm still going with the line that I used six weeks ago, that he lost the dressing room then. There's definitely something gone on. COVID's been a useful excuse, but I st if I was a betting man, I would still put money on he's lost that dressing room weeks ago. And he's been fighting and fighting to try and get back on side. And he's fighting a losing battle. He's now added Ryan Fraser into the mix. Let's not forget, Ryan Fraser, yeah, looks a decent player. Certainly looks a decent player for Scotland, but it's got to be easy to look like a decent player for Scotland. I dare say me and you would probably look half decent for Scotland. But I'm not being funny with Ryan Fraser. Let's remember how he left Bournemouth, right? He didn't leave amicably. He didn't leave with a smile on his face, bidding Bournemouth farewell. He went on strike. Um, you know, this player is another one who's quite headstrong and does what he wants to do. Um, I personally feel, yes, it's a, a, this this blame factor really does lie at Bruce's door. But you know, the players, you know, the players were singing his praises ten months ago, saying he was the best thing since sliced bread, and you know, they love working for him. Exactly, exactly. So where are we? Where are we on my mindset? Um, yes, we need to replace him, but I don't know who we're going to be able to replace him with. But I get a feeling that whoever comes in would need to just get those senior players together and say, right, this is up to you, lads. You know, you need to get us out of this mess. Um, you know, some some people who watch the show believe in the takeover. Other people who watch the show don't believe in the takeover. We're no further forward with it. We're, you know, as far as we're concerned, we've laid it out time and time again. There's a lot of reason for optimism. We still believe the PIF will come back if the if the situation with the Premier League can be resolved, i.e. Their, their, their negativity towards the Saudi takeover. We've seen a, a lot of change over the last couple of weeks. We've seen Saudi and Qatar shake hands. We've seen you know, public relations thaw between them. Um, we're hearing lots of positive noises. I'm sure you are, we are. We did a two-hour show with Keith from the consortium, um, the Newcastle consortium of supporters, uh, which was fantastic. He laid on the line what he's actually been doing. Um, Nick DeMarco put a tweet out against Arsenal saying that he was at the game. He'd had a meeting with Newcastle. So we weren't relying on, you know, subliminal messages through bits of bread. We had, you know, we had a cast iron tweet saying, I'm at this match and I've had a meeting with Newcastle United. Didn't say what it was about, of course, but we all know that it's about, you know, the legal issue, which he's tackling on behalf of Mike Ashley. So for me, mate, it's, you know, it it's a mess. It, it is a mess. Last night was awful. It was the worst game I can remember for a long time. I think I said to you last week, I dreaded it because of what it... The, obviously my first major bit of disappointment as a Newcastle fan Bank Holiday Monday 1989 relegation season Sheffield Wednesday at home Newcastle had to win that game it was imperative they won it it was a six pointer and they got beat 3-1 and, and that was my as a fan my first taste of wow we're going to go down here and and I had that before that Sheffield United game last night I, I've got to be honest because of Sheffield's poor form I went with a 1-0 prediction Thinking Newcastle might win, but I also, I also said it could go either way, and I was right. And and it's, it just comes with experience and age. Sadly, you know, you're used to being let down by this great club of ours. Um, 
But what I would do, mate, I, I really don't know. It's 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 just it's soul destroying. Um, do you think Mike Ashley will pull the trigger on 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 Steve Bruce at all? Because this takeover relies on Newcastle being in the Premier League, and at this moment in time, I don't see Steve Bruce keeping Newcastle in the Premier League. So, do you think he'll pull well, the trigger? Uh, no, I don't think he will. Um... I think, look, what we have to rely on, there's certain details we don't know. And what we don't know is how much uh, how much the takeover talk behind the scenes, and we know a lot is going on, uh, a lot of it involving Mike Ashley's side of things. We don't know how much of that is going to be colouring his mindset. But if we purely look at history, um, history would suggest, like I said earlier, there's games in seasons when he could have pulled the trigger, he could have changed things and didn't. Um, I look back at 2016 and, and he just waited that, that few games too long to get rid of McLaren and bring in another manager and it just wasn't enough time for Rafa Benitez to keep Newcastle United in the division. Will he do the same again? Look, that's the only thing is that we've got, the bit we don't know is how much the takeover talk behind the scenes is colouring that mind of his. Um, if we stick with history, he won't pull the trigger. The noises I've been hearing is that, that he isn't going to pull the trigger. But how quickly will that change? I mean, we're, we're talking high stakes here. This is high stakes. He's a gambler, but there's a lot of money on the line. There's the 300-plus million um, takeover. There's the caveats that come with that, the other business interests, etc. This is more than just a sale of a football club for that man. Will he risk all that? Is it really worth the risk? Look, he's done it in the past. He's done it in the past where he has rolled the dice and risked it and waited too long to do it. It wouldn't surprise any of us out there if he did exactly the same again. But we've just got to... We've just got to... I don't really care how they get the points or results. They've just got to get them. They've got to scrape together some kind of points. They've got to get keep that buffer and that barrier because this could turn really toxic if... Newcastle United starts sliding into it because I think a lot of people out there, even though you might get your believers and your non-believers, I think even your non-believers think there's something something is going on and there could be the potential for a, a bigger future for this football club in the not too distant future. And I think that could that could turn this this situation even more toxic than before. Is that you're almost promised the or shown the promised land had to wait twelve months for it. Uh, sort of meandering around the Premier League, uh, just picking up results and surviving, with that hope maybe one day it would happen. And it would be so typical of a Newcastle United type thing to happen that we get um, to the cusp of a new dawn. And then a man like Steve Bruce, who says he's black and white through and through, manages to, to be the biggest uh, danger to the long-term uh, future of our, our football club that we all love. Um, it's quite incredible. It is quite incredible the situation that we find ourselves in, and it is a real and present danger. This, this, uh, these flirtations with relegation, um, and 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 I don't really, when you look at the fixtures, I don't see it getting all that much better. Um, they're just going to have to get results. Look, if you could guarantee me that that Newcastle United in the next month would get enough results to keep that keep this barrier and keep themselves away from that relegation zone. I don't really care if Bruce goes or not because I don't really, Bruce isn't the long-term answer and I'm, I'm keeping faith that the powers that be will eventually grant this takeover. That's what I've, I've always said this, that, that I'm hopeful and that and the things could move behind the scenes and, and 
And I'm keeping that faith. And I know as soon as that happens that Steve Bruce will just be a really bad memory. Realistically, he'll not be he'll not be part or even in conversations to be a part of this of the of the future of Newcastle United. But for the time being, we're in this limbo, this this horrible limbo, really, which is partly created by the uncertainty in the takeover, to be honest. It is partly created by that, that we find ourselves in a position that even if Mike Ashley were the type of owner to pull the trigger now, you're looking at a set of managers who may well, Newcastle might not be the place that they want to come, simply because they'll be looking at it saying, well, do I want, am I going to walk in there for a month and then there's a takeover and I'm gone? Is that yeah. really what you want to do? I think there's, it, it's, it's almost becomes a very, very difficult job to hire for. Um, Nobody wanted the job. 11 people turned it down. Steve Bruce begged us to, to, to have the job. He begged Lee Charnley for the job, we're alleged to believe. Um, and, and, and of course, he, he had a contract. So we had, to get, we had to pay for Steve Bruce. Yes. And that's, that's what makes it even more incredible that Newcastle United paid money to bring Jesus. a manager of Calabar in. Um, I mean, he was probably sitting you know, in and around the playoff uh, positions with Sheffield Wednesday. But you'd have to ask the question, were Steve Bruce to depart Newcastle United now? I've no doubt he would get a job in football again. But you've got to say, where would he position on the list of any Premier League football club? And you'd be lucky if he was in the top 30. Where would he position in uh, a top-end championship club? Look, there might be a select handful that, that would have him, you know, maybe he's in a top five or six. But you would think ambitious ones at the very top of that division wouldn't have them in the top 10. That's the calibre of manager we've appointed. But, again, it's par for the course when you cast United under Mike Ashley, isn't it? I mean, we, we plucked the likes of Alan Pardew. We, we, we gave him a second wind in his career that was going absolutely nowhere, plucked him from League One, and all of a sudden he was, you know, stayed in the Premier League for years after Newcastle United and failed everywhere he went. Look, this is another one with Steve Bruce. He's done nothing in his career to warrant being at a football club like ours. He didn't absolutely nothing to warrant being at a football club like Aston Villa's, to be fair, who, who despite our animosity towards Aston Villa, are a big club, a massive club in English football. And I don't think you'll ever get close to the size of that kind of job or this one ever again. No, definitely not. Last one on uh, the game last night before we talk takeover, and that's Ryan Fraser. I mean, I mentioned it on the live the live feed last night. I've, I, I saw, I remember the situation with Mike Williamson where he was accused of doing it deliberately. We'll never be able to prove it, but just what was your first impression of that second yellow? Because he'd just been booked, you know, and, and to go in on a challenge like that, it almost said to me, I've had this, I'm just going to get sent off. Was it was there a feel of deliberate, you know, doing it deliberately last night? Look, I, when I watched it full time, you looked like you could see it coming, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. You could see the tackle coming, you thought, no, don't. And he did and went and he got the booting for it. Um, it, it It's hard to make a case. I'm not going to say whether I think it was deliberate or not. It's, it's a really uh, difficult one. Look, I think there's a player in there, but like you said, it was mentioned by one of my colleagues today on Twitter, Ross Gregory, a friend of yours as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said he said he's not the type of lad you'd want uh, alongside you in the trenches. And you're looking at the way he left Bournemouth and, and, and the start he's made at Newcastle United. And look, I can't really complain at that. I really can't. No, well, uh, we'll put that game into the history books where it belongs under a large pile of disappointments and uh, not uh, talk about that one again tonight. Um, Let's talk takeover. Um, As I've said, there has been movement, obviously, diplomatically 
Qatar and Saudi have shook hands and seem to be getting on a lot uh, better, which is, is, is always going to be positive. Um, obviously, we saw the Chronicle running a, a line from Richard Masters about arbitration. Um, what's your take on what's happened in the last seven days, you know, in and around the potential takeover of our club? So if we talk about the, the arbitration line, which uh, came from a, a, a letter to an MP, uh, Liz Truss, that... that it was a bit of a red heron that was set off. I just want to make that clear. Now, I'm not saying what he said wasn't positive. The, the bit to take from it was not arbitration started, which some people picked up on and pushed. I had so many DMs and messages from people yesterday saying, the arbitration started, when's it going to finish? Look, the bit to take from it was that he said it would be finished in a timely manner, the whole process. And when he described the arbitration, there is a key difference. He talked about the arbitration process. He did not talk about the hearing. So the hearing is something totally different. The arbitration process was confirmed by Newcastle United in a statement last year, which I covered in the Shields Gazette. We wrote the story with, uh, it was it was uh, confirmed by the Premier League in a letter to NCSL. And we spoke to NCSL who gave us a statement confirming that. That was what um, Richard Masters was talking about because... The key in that letter was the date. The letter was dated the 23rd of December. Now, Premier League legal officers, it sounds like the 23rd of December must have been a very, very busy day because I know another friend of the show, Keith Patterson, managed to get a letter on the same day asking, well, threatening legal action. So it must have been quite a busy day at the post office around next to Premier League HQ because they seem to have been sending a lot of letters out to people. Um, but what I would say is that, that take, don't take um, the arbitration started the key point from that because yes the, the process is well underway has been well underway for some time the hearing itself is not to my knowledge underway yet doesn't mean it won't be in the near future or it could it could be but at this moment that was that's not what the case is and i think i think there was a little a few confusions on social media in particular as soon as that happened i was out on a bike ride actually i, I just went went on a uh, Got myself a bike not long ago, and I just started jump, jumping on it and going out just to clear my head. Um, and I came back to a, an absolute raft of messages um, from friends, from family, social media, DMs. What the arbitration started? How long does it go on? When's it? People had assumed because of that update that the, that the hearing had begun, and that's not the case. But like I say, don't be disheartened and think, "Oh, is this going to go on forever?" Look, things will move on at some point. Um, and it won't go on forever. We will get an end to this. But the timely manner bit, um, look, take it with a pinch of salt. He's been, he's been saying things like that for about eight months, saying that we'd get through things in a timely manner. I don't yeah. know what Richard's timely manner is, but I certainly wouldn't be holding my breath um, if Chris, he promised to do something for us. Because he takes well, a long <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't be having him to decorate my house or uh, come and change some oh, windows oh, or doors or something. Good God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You take all your windows and doors out. You're waiting for six months. It'd be like living in a tent. Absolute uh, knacker. Absolute knacker. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. Well, that's that. That's that covered. Obviously, the you know the other stuff which is which has come out is obviously Saudi and Qatar. Um, you know, starting really to you know uh, you know thaw out really the relationship between yeah. them. You may have more information on this than me, Steve. Because I know the likes of uh, Al Walid were talking about being sports, potentially being back in, in Saudi Arabia and, and things like that. Um, I don't know if that's a fact yet. I don't know if that's, that has been opened up or it hasn't. Um, but the thing is that any 
any positive move in terms of relations between those countries because of this media war that's gone on, this mudslinging match, um, the very public attacks, um, the piracy, anything that thaws the relationship between those two and brings those closer together means there are less dissenting voices and there is less of a legitimate reason for the Premier League to act on behalf of BN or to act on behalf of Qatar and act on... Um, Act on, uh, act on the piracy. Really, there's there's, there's little um, reason for them to continue that action if um, sort of Bin Salman and the Emir are breaking bread and, and, and sharing um, agreements and, and taking away legal barriers with regards to their country, allowing planes to fly in, land borders to open. Look, who are the Premier League to continue um, doing that? And, and I think it can only be a good thing. Look, it doesn't bring a takeover. But to me, despite what some people say out there, there has been people say it means absolutely nothing. Look, I put a post out on New Year's Day uh, saying a lot of things, and one of them is just be careful who you believe. Um, and I think that's really important with social media. I think you guys out there now know, um, you watch us regularly, um, who are the type of people that you, you should trust um, with information. And I think everybody out there knows that there are certain people that, that, that throw red herons out there. There's certain people that send you down the wrong avenue. Um, and and I, like I said, I would just always be really careful. I think I think the likes of uh, Steve, uh, the Three Amigos, uh, NCSL with Keith Patterson, these are the type of people who have put solid um, information out there and been really um, positive in a sense, and they get criticism about being positive. But it comes from a place of, of knowledge. That's all. That's all I would say. And I would just be really careful about people with agendas and people who may may put false information out. And there is some out there. Look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there are some people out there who who will deliberately throw you off the scent. Um, and I think by now, with me, you'll know if I put something out there, it's got it's got a um, definitely got more than a, a sort of an ounce of truth in it. So. Yeah, trust who you want, but just be very careful who you do trust because there are some people who, who have put information that seems legitimate out there in the last seven days as well that just isn't. Um, it's so far from the truth, it's it's unreal. Yeah, I've got to say, like, and I say this all the time, um, and I could say this if I'm speaking about you, Liam, or Lee Ryder, or Mark Douglas, or Luke Edwards, or you know, Miguel Delaney, you name it, any of these journalists, you know, you you write the stories, but you want the editors of the paper. And ultimately, it comes down to the editor to go through your copy and make sure that he's happy with it. And, you know, it gets checked legally as well. So it doesn't matter, you know, what stories we believe or don't believe, but these stories wouldn't be going out online or going into a hard copy of a newspaper if they hadn't been checked 100%. So, look, we all know there's two ways this works. It either goes through, the takeover goes through, we get a takeover that uh, sees Mike Ashley leave the club. It'll be a takeover that a lot of people want. It'll be a takeover that some people don't want because of Saudi's, you know, past record on, you know, on, on other matters. Um, or the takeover doesn't go through, which means the PIF don't come back to the table and Newcastle United remain under the ownership of Mike Ashley. Where that leaves us as a football club, I really don't know. I really, really don't know because he doesn't want to be here. He's got a lot of other businesses which need his attention, but most importantly, they need his money. And that is where we're at. You know, it's as simple as that. And what you've done and 
you know, the you know me and the lads on the three amigos, Steve Hasty and Neil Mitchell. What Keith tried to do on Friday night when he joined us on the show is just try to be honest and try to put, you know, not mislead people, not to, you know, not to give anybody false information or false hope. Um, but if somebody asks me, do I think the takeover is going to go through? And I'm speaking to still people on both sides of the deal. Then, if I feel it's going to go ahead at some point then I am going to say, yes, it is going to go ahead at some point. I've got a good feeling. Um, if I feel it's not going to go ahead and it's it's on the verge of, of not seeing the light of day, then that's how I'll report it on here. It's my channel and I'll do what I want on my channel. Other people, feel free to do what you want to do. You want to tell everybody that it's not going ahead, it's dead in the water, you're more than entitled to do that. And that's it. We'll all be judged on the other side of this takeover. Um, and I can take it. I can take criticism. And I've got to put my hands up and say, I have been wrong with things in the past. You know what I mean? And, and that's that's the way it goes, I'm afraid, in life. Um, that well, famous parapet. You put your head above the parapet. Unfortunately, it's there to be shot at. But I'd like to think when people watch back on all of these shows, especially the Tuesday night shows that you and I have done, or the Friday night shows that me, Steve and Neil have done, they will see that... All we're doing is asking, answering people's questions, but we're answering it with, with the knowledge, you know. And, and it was nice of Keith to, to say what he said on on Friday, you know, that, you know, he bigged us up a little bit. And I'm not in it for that. I'm I'm genuinely not. But I'm I feel it. It's my responsibility to be least to be able to give the supporters a little bit of news. If you know, if I can give them anything, if I can give them a bit of hope, I'd rather they had a bit of hope in a pandemic than no hope at all. And Steve, like I think that's one thing I've, I've never said this to you, but even. When we didn't do these shows, obviously we've been we've we've been uh, sort of contacts through boxing and football for year for a couple of years now. Yeah. But from the outside looking in, I was always interested to hear what you had to say because I knew you you knew people. You know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of people out there also appreciate that. I think there is a lot of people that um, want those updates and prefer that. And what I would say about that is, you said about being judged on the other end. There are points in this. It's okay. We could be saying things like somebody came at me. Um, it was earlier this week when this this sort of threw a lot on my shoulders. They said, "Look, uh, the, the mental health of the region is effectively on your shoulders, and I want you to stand by this. Look, you're right. If you're wrong, you need to resign from your, your job or something like that." It was a few messages. I got a few different messages from people. You need to resign from your job and, and call it a day if, if you get it wrong. Look, I'm not going to walk out on me. You know, I'm not going to leave me family without. Without putting it, put bread on the table because I've reported something and I've never ever said, look, before the reboot of the deal, we're talking uh, this time last year onwards, I was certain it was going to go through and I'm not alone. There was a lot of people like that. Since that point, I've only ever said I'm hopeful it'll go through. I've never said I'm confident. And it's okay that we can uh, deal in facts now, report things. You can be right now and it can be 100% correct. But it can also go wrong, as in, as in the deal might not go through, but you can still be right and correct in what you're saying now. And a month down the line, it may be dead. But that doesn't mean what was said a month earlier wasn't correct at the time. It doesn't have to be a black and a white. It doesn't have to be a complete divide, a yes or a no, a takeover, no takeover. There is a massive grey area with this. And people have to remember, for example, and this isn't me backing out anybody who who will, who will come on here and try and uh, sort of doctor my words and say, oh, look, he's pulling out of this confidence now. That's not the case. What I'm saying is 
I can be 100% confident. Everybody around the deal can be 100% confident too. But by the same token, something, a small spanner in the works, may ruin it for everybody. Or it may go the other way. You may not be confident. A small thing can change and everything's on again. These things are so complex. And, and what I've always tried to do throughout this is, is report on the facts that I know and give people as much information as I can. And it is not my fault that a lot of the information that I've got is positive. That's not, you know, it is what it is. And I've always said this throughout, that you either believe me and trust what I say and write, or you don't. And that goes for everybody else, including yourself, Steve. You trust it and believe it, or you don't. It doesn't mean you have to come on and create a divide, create a Twitter pylon. He's right, she's wrong. He's wrong, she's right. Whatever it may be, whatever this topic and whatever the subject, it doesn't have to be that way. Look, everybody can have different opinions. Everybody can have different uh, specialities. Everybody can have, uh, di you know, different contacts, be hearing different things. I've got absolute faith, 100% faith in the information that I am given from my contacts, 100% faith. And that's why I report it as I have. That doesn't mean it will end up being right. You either trust what I write or you don't. You either trust what Steve says or you don't. You either look at NCSL and think, look, they're doing the right thing by everybody having a go, or they're not. Doesn't mean you've all got to become abusive and start problems on, on social media. It's been toxic the last few weeks, to be honest, the amount of abuse. And you've dealt with it, Steve. You've dealt with it in your own way, and I respect that. I'm not the type of person who's going to start getting involved in, in, in Twitter spats because I genuinely believe that uh, a man in my position um, has to be professional. I think it's a really bad look for me to start getting involved in, in, in name-calling and, and fighting. Look, Keith Patterson's a totally different man. And he's the only man now. I'll be, I need to make that clear tonight as well. He's the only man involved in NCSL. With Gordon Steen now taking a job. Keith Patterson is is the, the social media man, the, the legal man. He's literally everything you could possibly... He washes the floors. He literally does everything. He washes the dishes. He's the whole lot. NCSL, he's the whole... Uh, uh, organization with Gordon now now gone. And yeah, what, did you, what, he, what did you make sorry. of his in, what did you make of his um his interview on Friday? Class. Really good. Really good. Uh I've been I've been speaking to the man for probably the best part of six months now, uh on and off. Got to know him really well. I think he's a I think he's a real solid stand up bloke and, and um the way I look at it I, I would rather have him in my corner, fighting our corner than on the other side. Um, because he's a determined uh, very, look don't underestimate Keith that's what I would say to the critics out there do not underestimate that man because he's a very smart astute operator he's a self-made man he's, a, he's got a comfortable life he's done very very well for himself I'm sure you wouldn't mind us saying that um, he hasn't been given any of that he's built it up himself and, he, and he's, he's in a position in life now where he can he can help out, and he felt obliged. He wanted, he had that in his power to do it, and he did it. And I'd like to think I would do the same, and other people would, but God, he, he gets my respect for, for that. And I thought the way he came across, the tone that he struck on, on Friday was absolutely perfect. A little story that, that, that from Friday that, that hasn't got out there. You probably know it, Steve. It was, it was, it was quite a tragic day for him, to be honest. It was, yeah. Um, he was doing the sound check with you, I believe, at, at around four o'clock for the for the five o'clock show. Um, he had three dogs, 
Um, he keeps outside in a big run outside. Um, and, he, and he went out after the sound check to see they were all right, give them the feed. And um, his dog, Ashley, it had, had, had fallen down. And, and, and she was, she was, he's told me she was on her way out kind of thing, but it fell down and, and died. And it was such a... Look, anybody who's lost a pet out there will know how how um, how oh, harrowing was, that. Yeah, he was emotional. Yeah. And, and 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 every time and you laugh, you laugh about this, and you all laugh about this as well. But he got quite emotional a few times. Anybody who's watched it, it, it during the show, and it, and it was every time somebody said something about Ashley out, he was keep thinking of Ashley, the dog <laughs> outside. He couldn't get it out of his head, and he was getting emotional. And it was all, you know, it's one of them things that uh, he's. Um, He's a character, and um, I'm really, really pleased that I can call him a friend, as I am with you as well, Steve. Look, I think we've built a relationship throughout this lockdown with the shows that we do and all that kind of thing, and I class you as a friend, and I say the same about Steve Hasty, and I say the same yeah. about, uh, about Mitch. Take the people that I want in my corner, good, honest people with a heart in the right place who want the same as me, um, and I'll continue to stick by you, lads, because... I know your your heart's in the right place, and you want you want exactly the same thing as me. You want this takeover, and you've worked for it. You've done things that people would never believe. You've done you've done things that, that have helped, and and they'll all tell you. Even if this goes, look, you said you'll be judged at the end of it. If it goes wrong, you'll get stick for it. Even if it goes right, there'll still be the people out there saying, "Nah, nah, he's just nah, he's just a YouTube. He's just looking for attention. Nah, he never did any of that. He never helped anybody." But one day, the truth will out. And we'll, we'll all get to know. And, and look, I know, I know um, where I stand on it, and I'm pretty sure most people who watch watch this show will feel exactly the same. Yeah, me too. Okay, we're uh, we've took forty odd minutes up on that, mate, which is no surprise. Um, big shout out to our sponsors, uh, as always. Our main sponsor this month, who uh, is sponsoring the Streamyard application, um, is of course the Old Coach House Distillery. uk, the world's first alcohol-free distillery. Visit their website, enter the code OLCHD to claim your introductory ten percent discount and get the most out of your mindful dry January. Uh, try the Genesque; it's up there. Uh, on the advert uh, well worth a try also a big shout out to john from jab for designing the flyers as always good evening john if you're watching and qtechshop.co.uk the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in walls end in newcastle and they're also the makers of our t-shirts and ufc matters t-shirts which you can buy uh, at the website newcastlelegends.com uh, we've also got the super mac t-shirt and the super mac mug as well and if you're a, a first time visitor please subscribe to the channel it's free doesn't cost you anything you don't have to send your email just click on that uh, little uh, button down on the right hand side and uh, it just gives you the option to subscribe just means you'll get notifications when liam's uh, going to be back on and uh, when the three amigos is on and all of our other shows and uh, please give the video a little like by hitting the little red thumb there uh, just down below uh, drop a comment in as well uh, that is how we're going to be doing our competition which we're launching on the three amigos on friday with uh, john from q tech has kindly given us a hundred pounds worth of uh, vouchers which uh all up for grabs with a, a Newcastle United based competition which is great we also have a t-shirt uh, as always up for the food bank uh, Katie with her jump wagon on uh, on the show on ladies night earlier this week 
uh, came up with a new phrase. We did actually Google a jump wagon and find out it does actually exist. But yeah, that's currently at £30, I think. Uh, so if you go to at Steve Wraith on Twitter, it's a pinned post on my Twitter. If you want to bid for that T-shirt, you've got until next Monday. Um, and then uh, we will be announcing who the winner is. And all proceeds from that go to the food bank. We're currently at £1,740 raised for, for the food bank from those T-shirts. So big thanks to... Uh, to, to John from QTech for that. Um, let's talk transfers. Transfer windows open. Um, and of course, this is probably really, really awkward because we're all sitting here wanting Steve Bruce out the door. Um, but we need players in the door. Um, and that's where the big, big problem lies, I suppose, with getting rid of Bruce in January. Um, I did mention it on on our live coverage of the match last night, of course, and that is that anybody who believes Steve Bruce is in charge of transfers, well, you know, you're, you're living in cloud cuckoo land because it's it's ultimately down to Lee Charnley and, and Steve Nixon and his team of scouts who comes in and Mike Ashley as to whether he's willing to sign a cheque. Um, Steve Bruce might be able to put a list together, but I dare say, like most managers, it just gets completely ignored. Um, but we do still need players in. Is there anything on the horizon? Uh, loans, permanent deals, anything? And is there anybody else leaving? Um, so in the last seven days since I was asked on, I've had a few conversations with, with uh, people connected to the club and I genuinely get the sense that it's going to be quite a quiet window. Um, they, they seem to be stressing to me the, the impact of COVID on their budget. Um, they, they seem to be stressing the idea that, that loan deals would be the only avenue if there is even an avenue. Um other sources have suggested that, that Casa may dip in the market to sign a midfielder. Now, the only way I would see that happening, to be honest, is that there was a nudge um, from outside in. Um, people will know what I mean by that. If there was any kind of uh, expectation that something might happen off the field, then I think you might see some movement. That would be a good indicator that things are moving um, in the right direction. But if if it is a Mike Ashley Steve Bruce duo from now until the end of the season, then I think I think transfers is something that will be at the very back of back of uh, priorities. To be honest, this this January, and the reason I say that largely is because um, they've got a twenty-five man squad, and they'd have to bin two or three to strengthen two or three. And I don't think the manager is willing to lose the players who have interest in them. Dwight Gill. I think he wants to keep him. Now that might change. We know he's not playing them. No, I know. I don't get it either. I don't get it either. Um, it doesn't make sense. And Carol, Dwight Gale, uh, who else? Who else? We're talking Jacob Murphy. Um, everyone who's got a chip. Everyone who's got a chip on their shoulder. Well, there's there's interest in all these players, and, and, and it's players that he doesn't want to allow to leave. My my criticism of that and. and Look, it's sounding like a Bruce pile on here, but I think if you're a manager, you've got to be clever and cute and there's ways and means of doing things. And he always he just seems insistent on hanging on to what he's got. Um the Yedlin thing frustrates me. Um I don't if I'm gonna try and break a, a, a place in my squad, I'll look at it and say, right, well, maybe John Ray Yedlin is the best right back that we've currently got. Much of a muchness, Roman Keogh. Maybe he's played Jacob Murphy there, not ideal. Uh, and Emil Kraft would forget about him, but he's part of the squad. Nobody will not be able to get rid of him. But say, for example, you could get rid of a DeAndre Yedlin. I'd look at it and say, right, 
Well, I will. I'll get rid of him because I freed up the space and maybe I can bring an attacking player in. I can do something different, just freshen it up. I would look and maybe say, Jacob Murphy, he's probably on, he's probably somebody who I'd select in the first team. But if there's four or five clubs want him, um, then I would look and say, well, maybe if I can get rid of him, I can bring another one in. Sometimes you have to uh, wheel and deal. Sometimes you have to let players go that in an ideal world you wouldn't get rid of to then strengthen in other departments. And, and I don't think there's really a willingness to do that. And that frustrates me uh, massively. I look at it and say, look, Andy Carroll, I would start him on Monday night. I would start, I, I would probably go back to your 4 2 because it's the only formation you can't seem to be able to get results in. Um, I quite like the five, but I don't think Bruce is a tactically uh, skilled enough manager to allow them to defend properly and attack at the same time. Because as soon as he plays the five and tries to free things up, they look an absolute shambles. So I would probably go back to the 4 4 2, which works against some, doesn't against others, but did them all right earlier this season. So I would go back to that. But I would look at it and say, Andy Carroll, is he really, you know, is he somebody that I'm going to rely on between now and the end of the season? Well, West Brom want him and a couple of others might want him. But let him go then. Let him go and see if he can get somebody else in. Dwight Gale's an interesting one. If you let a Dwight Gale go, can you get somebody of a similar ability? Look, you might be able to get a loan in and do something. I think that feels like an unwillingness. It's like this idea that he wants to hang on to everybody, even if they're fringe and squad players and, and not and players you'd look at and see in an ideal world. Well, yeah, maybe I would keep him, you know, as a backup, but just get rid of him. Just get rid of him and, and, and see if you can strengthen because this incarcerated team needs a shot in the arm. It needs something uh, to, to sort of boost them. And I'm not saying January you're going to be able to get that, but it's worth a roll of the dice. And if I was a manager, I would do that because, see, Say you let a DeAndre Yedlin go and you're able to bring another player in and it doesn't improve. What have you lost at the end of the day? You'll just put Mankio in or, or Jacob Murphy in and you'll be fine. You haven't really lost a lot. It's not like saying, oh, should we get rid of Callum Wilson to, to sign two players? No, we're not saying get rid of it. You're saying get rid of a Dwight Gale. Have we really lost anything? But he's, the, blokes, the blokes probably played 12, 25 minutes in the last... You know, a month and a half. Are we really losing something if if he lets a Dwight Gale go to bring another one in? I don't know. Look, I'm not a manager. I probably wouldn't make a very good one either. But the way I would look at it is, to, I don't really think it's it's worth hanging on and hanging on to every single player. I think you've got to let one go to bring one in that might just make the difference, might just freshen things up in one of the departments where you're weak. Looking at the midfield in particular. Lots of people asking, you know, does anybody ask the question, any journalist ask the question, why is Dwight Gale not playing? No, I haven't been in a press conference with Steve Bruce for a little while, so it's not something I've asked or heard asked, but it is a very uh, peculiar situation at present that, that Dwight Gale isn't being played. I thought Saturday was probably, I, I mean, I, I maybe wouldn't have played him, um, but it was probably an ideal opportunity to, to get him into the team. But it, even when you look at uh, situations like last night, that you... Yeah, He's not even considered to bring him on. You know what I mean? It's it's not even like he's probably sort of fifth or sixth down the list of players that he will bring on. And 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 is that are you really what you're hanging on to for then? What's what's the what's the fascination we're wanting to hang on to a player that, that I was in the press conference around six weeks ago where he said I will do everything in my power to help that lad get a new contract. Yeah, that's not the type of words you say about somebody that you then play for twenty minutes who scores a goal. Give him one chance, and then that's the end of that. You never play him again. It's just very strange, to be honest. And it does ring into this whole idea that, that, that he's just going through the motions. We've all seen it. Managers have been here before. Managers have been at other clubs where you see it. 
where it's like it, it's just selection bingo you'll select anybody and they'll change this and change 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 for change sake um and Steve Bruce feels like he's in that period but like I said earlier that period lasts a lot longer at Newcastle United than it does at other football clubs Mike Ashley's Newcastle United in particular um because I think uh, uh, probably at least half of the prem- uh, clubs in the Premier League, if they were on the run Newcastle United were on, and if they put in a performance like they did last night, um, I think most owners who would be sitting in the stands would look at that and say, no, here's your P45, get yourself out the door. But that doesn't happen here, and, and I don't believe it will. General Villams, lots of people asking about that in the chat. Any more news yeah. on that? No. Uh, uh, look, I've had sources play the, play the whole deal down to me, but I, I, not necessarily... I've had other sources tell me that the exact opposite. Um, I think the player would come back in a heartbeat. Um, I've, I've mentioned it on here before. Can't really go into much more detail, but there are there has been a, a, a quite significant barrier in the way of any deal getting done. But there's a lot of time in the window for Jeff Jeffrey Williams to come back through the door. Like I say, you can't say he would have to lose uh, a first team player, um, and, and in that position, I'm struggling to see uh, who would probably go. So. I don't know. It is one that's worth watching. It's bubbling away. And all this stuff I'm talking about now, um, the summer's different. January is is, is incredibly uh, fluid, transient. So there can be a plan on the 1st of January that suddenly gets ripped up and changed on the 25th. It, it can change very, very quickly. So I, I would always urge caution in what I'm saying um, because what I'm saying now is right today. And was right last it was 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 different last week, but it was it's right today that, that any talk of any players coming in, even on loan, is probably um uh, quite quite far off at the moment. But what I would say is is it, it it's been suggested if they would do something, it would be one one loan. That's coming from sources at the club. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's it's I've mentioned Brandon Williams, that's been played down by others. Look, I stand by my story, these things can change and move. And like I said, it's a very transient window. Um, there was other players, like you said, Jethro Willems. Look, a couple of months ago, that looked like it was probably going to happen in January. When I was sitting here halfway through January, and it hasn't happened. Um, like I say, there is there are certain things that, that um, barriers that, that prevent certain deals. Things can change in windows. Players that were going to be allowed to leave, as I suggested about the one before suddenly can become part of a manager's plans. We've seen Rob Holden, this go back to the summer, we've seen Rob Holden, there was an interview today, I think it was in the, the Mail or the Telegraph, and it was from him, and he talked about how before the Community Shield, he was ready to sign for a club, it says. It was Newcastle United, he was ready to come here, not saying he would have been a good signing, but I'm just using this as an example. He was ready to come, had one conversation with uh, Arteta, said, I'm going to need you at the weekend, by the Monday after he played, he said, well, where do you want, where's your future want to be? Well, well, if you want to stay here, stay and prove yourself. And he's got himself a new contract. That's how things can change very quickly. They can go from being absolute to out the window in the space yeah. of three or four years. And it's a COVID and it's a Brexit transfer window, this one. So yeah. two other things which we've got to bear in mind. Um, you know, it, it's, it doesn't look good, that's for certain. Steve Corbett, thanks for your kind words. Uh, Barry Hogan says, can we drop them from the 25-man squad without selling them? Just referring to uh, players who maybe you know, are currently in the Premier League squad. Can they be removed and dropped into the reserves or, or, or something like that? Or, I, I don't know. Is, is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it can, is. Yeah. 
Yep, okay. Um, sorry to everybody, we haven't really had time to get through questions. Me and Liam have both been having, uh, uh, you know, having ra having rants. Uh, Rafa Benitez is God. Uh, he says, uh, I'm surprised Almiron hasn't put a transfer request in for being made to play on the right all the time. I'm surprised he hasn't put a transfer request after being dropped and, and stuck on the bench. It's uh, it must be soul destroying for, for some of those some of those players. It, it really, really must be. Um, you know, it, it's just you know the, the club at the moment is in complete disarray, and you know we're lucky. Because there's a gap between us and you know a lot of uh, you know those teams at the bottom, um, you know that win for Sheffield United, although it was great for them, um, doesn't take them above us or anything. So you know there is still something to build on. We've got Arsenal next though, Liam. It's you know out of the frying pan into the fire. We're going back to Arsenal, who you know beat us in the FA Cup. We're putting in. A, I, I say we'll put a decent performance in. We were still garbage. But we put some effort in, you know, we put effort in. And that's something which should just come in a black and white shirt anyway. This is how low we are as Newcastle fans now. We're saying, oh, putting effort in is a good performance. It should be standard in a black and white shirt. But we're going to Arsenal. I can't see we're getting anything out that game, mate. No, I can't either because my record uh, isn't great down there. I think we had a chance to beat them. We could have beat them in 90 minutes in the Cup. Uh, didn't do it. Um, I just think... We've been in this position. I remember sitting on the show a while back before running games in December saying, I don't see where our next point is coming from. I think we had the likes of Wolves and, and teams like that in a little, a little cluster of games. And we did get points. Look, let's hope that trend continues, that, that we're in, an, in a moment of absolute despair and this team pulls out a couple of performances where they just get enough. Um, but at this moment in time, it's fair to say it doesn't look like they've got that in them. But We've said that before and, and hopefully they do come good because we need it. Like I say, I, I can't stress enough um, how important, not just for pride, not just for being a Premier League club, but staying in this division um, for for the bigger picture is so important. So important after do. Jonathan Edwards asked a question and I didn't get to it. I haven't got to many of them tonight because, as I say, we've both been on one. But um, he's just saying if, if the NCSL bid fails... Um, you know, why do you think it would fail? You know that what what they're trying to achieve. I mean, for me, it's 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 like two tanks on the lawn. You've got Nick Demarco on one side, you've got Keith on one side. You know, on the other side, it, they're both in tanks. I think it's like a, you know, it, it, it's it's a cracking idea by Keith, and I, I take my hat off to him. And you know, I just think you know, by hook or by crook, we'll get it through with their help. You know, I would suggest it all. I don't think any of it will fail because I think all of it, every little bit that's been done, including Keith's stuff, has a purpose, has a meaning. And I think if any one of it, part of it fails, it'll all fail together. And and if it passes, it'll it'll be because of all the little bits that have been done, including Keith's. It'll all have played a massive part in the final decision. So that's why I think everyone, I just urge a little bit of caution before. I put it out on Twitter the other day to somebody, urge some caution when you're talking about NCSL, or they said they were going to do this and, and nothing's happened or whatever. Just wait and see. Just wait and see what happens in the end. And the truth will out and it'll all come out. And we'll all know by the end and say, oh, well, actually, maybe it did have a little bit of an impact, even if it didn't go through. So let's just urge a little bit of caution before you start, like people out there start throwing uh, judgments and, and saying, oh, NCSL said they'd do this and didn't. Look, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. So just uh, just keep calm. And all will be what what will be will be, and I think I think when all this all is said and done, whether we get a takeover or not, I think Keith will tell his story. 
Steve, you might tell your stories, I'll tell my stories, and we'll all, we'll all get we'll all, there'll be a little bit more clarity out there for Newcastle United fans. Yeah, uh, Paul Kinson, FFS. I know what that means, mate. The Saudis walked away. Get over it. They did walk away, but there's nothing to say that they aren't still there waiting to come back, Paul. I'll leave you with that message. Liam, tell us where uh, people can find your wonderful um, work and your uh, podcast from earlier today because people might want to jump straight from that onto this. So just give a little bit of a plug, mate. Yeah, yeah, just before I came on, I, I managed to tweet that out. Um, so, so have a look on, on the Shields Gazette website, um, our podcast, Mouth of the Time. We've got a Twitter account out, Mouth of Time Pod. So check that out there. But we work on a subscription uh, basis, not, not a clickbait type uh, model. And, and, and we do rely upon people paying for the type of work that I do. So if you do like the kind of thing that I do on here, you like some of the articles that I've put out there, um, any little bit helps if you can if you can um, pay for a subscription. It's only a couple of pounds for a couple of months, I think. So you get all the content from me. If you like laughing at Sunderland as well, you can have a bit of that content. There's plenty of that in the Shields Gazette as well. A bit of Middlesbrough, Hartlepool, a lot of northeast non-league football with like some Mark Carruthers. So yeah, you get all of that just for a little small subscription. But any little helps, and if not, if you haven't got the money to pay, just wait till next Tuesday because we'll be back on. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, great stuff. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Uh, Record-breaking figures again for us tonight, which is really nice. And, uh, you know, me and Liam both appreciate that. It's nice to have people wanting to take part in the show as well. Sorry we didn't get to all of your, uh, uh, all of your messages. And, um, you know, we might extend it one day. We'll keep saying we're going to. But uh, anyone who hasn't watched Keith's interview, um, it is on the Three Amigos show. Just uh, look on our playlist, search Three Amigos, or just go to uh, the, the front page of the video, click home, go to the home page on Steve Wraith's uh, uh, YouTube channel. You'll find that right at the top. And um, it's a, it's two hours of your life you won't regret. It's a great watch. Uh, Keith, um, very emotional, as Liam's pointed out, but uh, it is a great watch. I am back um, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock or 7, um, and I will have Gibbo and uh, Super Mac on discussing um, the recent events at Newcastle United. No retro show this week. I will be back, though, of course, with uh, the three amigos. On Friday, me, Steve Hasty, and Neil Mitchell. Great show tonight, Liam. Thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. And uh, are you making the Benz tea or have you got a have you got a night off? No, the reason why I only tweeted that podcast out, which was done today, just before the show, was because I cooked them I cooked them a dinner today. I had like well, they had a nice pot last we didn't have one on Sunday because we were a bit rushing rushing around on Sunday. So I had one today, so I had a full what a full uh, like Sunday dinner in the midweek. So it was no bur- nothing got burnt. There was no pizzas. I didn't have to run to the chippy tonight. So that was a nice relief. Well, that's good. And uh, I just want to say well done to Kendall, who does uh, Ladies Night. She has uh, been on Sky Sports News today. And uh, that is uh, absolutely brilliant to see um, somebody going out and, uh, you know, speaking um, and giving their opinion from, from the NUFC Matters family. So well done to Kendall. And uh, people just saying that Keith Downey has just tweeted... Uh, Keith Downey has put uh, this is his tweet breaking news Steve Bruce retains the support of Newcastle owner Mike Ashley despite fans calling for him to be sacked following the defeat to the bottom of the table Sheffield United however Ashley's patience would be expected to run thin if Newcastle were dragged into a dogfight for Premier League survival so you heard it here first Uh, thanks to uh, you Liam uh, for tonight and look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow night take care good night God bless
Trinity. 